Thanks, Rachel. I sort of feel like maybe I don't need to give a sermon now, but I wrote it, and I don't want it to go to waste either, so I'm going to give it anyway. This year, as Rachel said, for Peace Sunday, Mennonite World Conference chose this theme, being a new creation in the midst of external turmoil. The creators of these materials asked us to reflect on how we maintain resilience in hardship, turmoil, and conflict. How do we maintain hope? The stories and resources that they shared for those of us involved in worship today gave voice to different areas of turmoil and conflict. For example, a missionary family in Bolivia under oppressive rule in the 1980s, struggling with prevailing American imperialism and righteousness, a Palestinian Christian woman working to practice her faith in an active war zone, an Indonesian minister studying at Anabaptist Mennonite Biblical Seminaries and dealing with his own thoughts of resilience and trauma, and a Philippine woman working to reduce food waste in the middle of the pandemic. All of which seem so big and important, which makes it challenging to think about my own hardships in comparison. It's difficult to talk about my own hardship in the midst of other people's hardships that just feel so much harder. The other day, I sat in an exam room with a stoic 50-something Latino man. He had been strong and hardy, the breadwinner for his family and a job that required heavy labor. He cared for his disabled daughter and rejoiced in his first grandson. And then the pandemic happened. And because he was an essential worker, he kept working. And he got COVID. He was one of my first patients to be hospitalized in the spring of 2020 when nurses were still using garbage bags as gowns and we sent our N95 masks in to be sterilized for reuse after two weeks of continuous wear. COVID destroyed his lungs. And after a month in the hospital and then rehab, he was a shell of who he had been. The past two years have been difficult for him as he's worked to regain some of his lung function. And yet he looked at me that day with tears in his eyes and said, but I feel like I can't complain. Others have it so much worse. And yet, oh my goodness, his loss was profound. And he really needed space to be able to grieve. My pain is not his pain, is not her pain, is not their pain. Comparisons don't really help. We are all have pain. We are all flawed. We are all struggling. On my most challenging days, I try to remember the phrase, be kind, for everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. And it's true. When I ask an open-ended question and just listen, I, find, I may find out that a patient had to give up her job to care for her disabled mother, that my colleague's adoption fell through at the last minute, that my 20-year-old DACA friend with dreams of medical school put them on hold to help his family buy a home, that my family member is paralyzed by anxiety, that my friend is worried about her son's diagnosis. Everyone is fighting a hard, hard battle, every single one of us. How many people have you shared your battle with? I suspect that many of us don't share much about these internal struggles. I bet that some of us at least don't want to be complainers or feel like we can't complain when so many others are struggling with so much more. We're all broken, but we do a great job of hiding it from everyone but a select few. 
In the materials given by Mennonite World Conference for this week, one of the contributors, Andy Santoso, said, quote, during my psychosocial and trauma healing class at Anabaptist Mennonite Biblical Seminary, I learned about the art of kintsugi. Kintsugi is a wonderful skill of restoring shattered objects by lacquering the cracks and meticulously dusting them with gold powder. The golden flaws, according to Japanese tradition, make the pieces even more precious. It's lovely to think of this technique as a metaphor for our life, to imagine our damaged, challenging, broken, or painful aspects radiating light, gold, and beauty." End quote. This metaphor hit me in a new way this week, thinking about all of us walking around with broken hearts, each of us struggling with our own hard things. And I wondered, what if those broken hearts had been mended with gold? What if the places that we felt like we were barely stuck together were actually bonded with shining metal that made our brokenness more beautiful than our non-broken parts? Our job, as God's new creation made visible, is to be okay with hard stories. It's our job to be kind and remember that others have hard battles to fight. And it's our job to give ourselves that same kindness and respect. I listened to a podcast this week that was about reparenting ourselves, thinking through how our parents shaped us for good or for bad, and using that new knowledge to both help us grow in ourselves and for those of us who are parents in how we may parent our own children. One of the key components that this expert suggested was to remember that our children are inherently good people who sometimes do bad things. And so when your child is refusing to stop jumping on the couch or lies to you, you as the parent should think, my child who is good inside is doing this unacceptable thing. It separates who they are from their behavior and invites us into curiosity about the behavior and what it represents. What hard battle are they fighting? How can we help them grow and learn? But this can and also should be used for ourselves as well. She invited the adults listening to think about something that we feel shame about, something that keeps us up at night, and then reframe it, giving ourselves the same grace and say, I am an inherently good person who yelled at my kids today. Again, that takes us from, I can't believe I did that, I'm a terrible mom, and instead invites us into, huh, why did I do that? And what was behind that blow up? This reframing, this recognition of every person's inherent worth and value, including ourselves, is exactly what Jesus tries to teach us over and over again. Jesus' ability to see through society's boxes, to see the inherent goodness in a tax collector, a sex worker, a Gentile with a demon-possessed daughter, an emperor, a crucified robber, a fisherman, teaches us again and again, this is a good person. This is a good person who has done some bad things. You are a good person who maybe has done some bad things. Come to the table. This space is prepared for you. This Peace Sunday, we're thinking through how to be God's new creation in the midst of challenges. I think one of the most radical ways that we can keep being hopeful during the turmoil and challenges of our lives is to remember this topsy-turvy Jesus way of looking at our fellow humans. Each person has value. Each person is inherently good. People's actions do not define who they are or how much they are valued. 
If Christians were known as the people who loved deeply each member of God's family, if we were known as those who saw the inherent goodness in all people, how would that change the world? If we treated ourselves with the same kindness, how would that change our own lives? Our struggles are important, our feelings are important, how we behave towards others is important. We are inherently good, and we are beloved by the creator of the universe. Thanks be to God. <laughs>